Hello, everyone. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast. On this podcast, we explore how to build an epic life because of, not despite of, life-shattering experiences that we go through, like divorce, illness, loss, and I've recently added pandemic. Today, we are talking to Karen Coyne. Karen, I am so, so excited to, to be talking with you today. I'm privileged to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Nikki, and the pleasure is all mine. It's a, truly a pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. So let's get right to it, Karen. I would like to give you the mic to ask you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are, where you're from, and, and what you do. What are you up to? What's keeping you busy these days? Sure. So uh, again, I'm Karen Coyne. I'm a certified financial planner, financial advisor. Uh, so work-wise, I work with a number of entrepreneurial clients, a number of physicians and other entrepreneurial families. And uh, my focus in general is, I think, a little bit different from a lot of advisors in that I'm really big on vision. Um, and it's actually something we talked a little bit about when you were on my podcast. Um, but it's really important to me because for me, financial planning is all about if you have clarity, if you can clearly see what's important to you in your life and you can align that with your financial goals that's when you're able to really live richly and i'm not talking about the zeros in the bank account when i say living richly and compliance compliance i'm going to clarify this for you because if my compliance team is listening they're already having a heart attack i'm saying live richly but i'm not talking about the zeros i'm talking about having choices having experience living in step with your values you know, having that alignment um, and that freedom. That's what clients cherish and value the most. Um, so that's, that's how I approach the financial planning process. And then I also host a podcast, Fresh Off the Vine, which is how we first connected. And, uh, and there I like to intersect, or I like to explore the many ways that our finances intersect with so many other aspects of our lives. I, one of the many reasons why I'm glad, so glad to have you on my podcast is that, is that most of the guests that I've had on so far, and we're go, I think we're somewhere between 130 and 140 at this point. Wow. We've talked about, we've talked about every single one of, of the episodes is about some kind of crisis or multiple crises. And we don't, we don't usually talk about it from a financial point of view. And we're actually not usually talking about crises that are explicitly financial in nature, such as bankruptcy or a business falling apart. Um, some, some of my guests have definitely spoken about financial crisis, but one, and it's also one of the things that I like about your podcast is that any kind of, just about any kind of crisis we go through, whether it's divorce, whether it's an illness, you know, terminal illness, something long-term where you've got medical bills stacking up, or you have to completely, I mean, your, you know, your budget and your finances, the, the kind of puzzle pieces get, get scattered, you know, or a loss of some kind. Um, every single money and finance, just as, you know, just like the title of your podcast, Fresh Off the Vine, it, it just, it's interwoven into every single kind of crisis. And it's also tends to be interwoven in, in the comeback as well. Yeah. Clients who are coming to me and they're saying, I need cash to do this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny because from my standpoint, right, uh, apart from all the obvious financial things and creating a budget, wah, 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 all that kind of financial stuff, 
I look at how important it is to have some of the underlying issues that you address. Like if my clients aren't in a good frame of mind, if they're coming from a place where they're torn down, devastated in a toxic environment, they haven't, you know, kind of gotten out of that space yet. I know they're not going to be in a place to make good financial decisions. So it's really important to me that they're at the right place at the right time when they're making certain decisions and, as an advisor, it's really important, I think, that you can kind of gauge where your client is in that process so that you're not, you know, you're just, you're, your expectations or maybe what you're recommending are, are going to be easily executed. Otherwise, if you can't feel like you're making progress, right, as you know, on just about, you'll just abort, just like abort mission, I can't, it's too much. Um, That's really so, true. Yeah, it's really, I, I really find it fascinating, the work that you do, and it's so valuable to the work that, you know, it really ties into the work that we do as advisors. Sure. And that's why we collaborate. That is why we collaborate. That's why we, that's why we get to know each other. That's why we create genuine relationships. Those of us who do work with people who are going through a crisis or a transition or a challenge, whatever you'd like to call it, or, or out and out trauma, which is, which is definitely what my clients are dealing with. And I know some of your clients are dealing with that too. And it really does... I'm going to use a cliche. It takes a village to. I say that all the time. <laughs> it does. It just, it, and it, not only does it take a, an informal familial friendship village, it also takes a village of professionals. And that's one of the things that I love to, to kind of emphasize on this podcast is that it, there are experts out there who can and do and will help you to navigate a difficult situation with more ease, with more comfort, with more information, research, and expertise, yeah. and also faster. Yes. Right. So that one of the things about being American, and of course, I mean, one of the things about being American is that there's no such thing as like one American, right? But right. when you think about American culture at large, to the extent that you can, we're so individualistic. We're so, you know, especially in some areas of the country, I grew up in the Northeast, and this is definitely true. Like you've got, you know, New Hampshire, live free or die. Like people are really, really individualistic, right? And so, and, and, and so often don't ask for help, even from their family members, even from anyone. Like, yes. I, rock, I am an island. I can get through this myself. Yes. I'm sorry, but that's crap. We're humans. We're supposed to help each other through stuff. Preach, Nikki. It's so true. <laughs> and, you know, I work with a lot of physicians and physicians, you know, you guys are really guilty and gals um, because, you know, and that's like, again, a stereotypical kind of cliche, but a lot of times that that culture is one of, well, you know, I made it through medical school. Certainly I can figure out how to implement my own fitness regime, or certainly I can figure out how to, you know, decorate my office or what have you. And it's funny, I was just having this conversation this weekend um, with a colleague slash friend um, who we were talking about decorating and that you know it's so difficult to make these decisions like there's 10,000 sofas how do i know which sofa to pick and you know furniture is a big has a hefty price tag and it's something that you're going to live with for a long time so like for me personally i always i have like analysis paralysis I, it's really difficult for me when i was moving into this office back in 2013 thinking it was um oh what's the word i want frivolous to spend money on a decorator or designer, I didn't 
do that because, you know, there's a lot of expense involved with moving and with moving into a new space, building out an office. And what I found was I wasted so much time. I wasted money. I wasted energy. If I would have just hired the damn consultant in the first place, I would have made better decisions. I would have saved time. I actually would have saved money. And so that was my advice to my friend, Ronnie. I was like, you know what? I know a gal. She's awesome. She will set you up. She has great style, great taste. Um, she helped me pick out this wallpaper and, uh, you know, highly recommend. And let me, she's just going to save you time, money, and energy. So just call her right now and stop agonizing. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And, and I mean, and your finances, I mean, the stakes are really high. Like, I, I mean, so I agree with you. 4,000%. I never would have, you know, like I never would have picked that. I love your, I love your wallpaper. I never would have picked it probably. And I agree with you so much that you actually in probably in most cases, as long as you find the right professional and you find the right fit, and that's a whole other topic, but as long as you find the right person, um, you are going to save yourself time, which means you're saving yourself money. And you also probably financially speaking are going to be saving yourself money. Yes. Um, so Karen, before we delve a little bit more into helping someone get through a crisis, I would love to know, um, so I've never been a fin financial advisor. Like what, what do you find most rewarding about the work that you do with your clients? Uh, that's such a great question. I, it's really fascinating to me how people perceive financial advisors and how we see it from our point of view. Um, I have a number of different friends in the industry as well, and, and we talk regularly, but friends of mine who aren't in the industry, especially this year, the year of 2020, the year of the pandemic, anytime I run into someone I haven't seen from uh, in a long time, they'll say, oh my gosh, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Like your phone must be ringing off the hook. You know, like everyone's just ready to jump off a bridge because of the markets. And, and they're shocked when I tell them like, no, actually that's not the case at all. Uh, clients have been fantastic. I have not placed any panic trades. Um, early on, even back in March, when it was extremely volatile and we had that initial drop, um, I had a number of, you know, by now I've talked to all of my clients at least once and many two, three times or more. Um, and I couldn't believe how many of them were basically along the lines of, they were saying, um, you know, yeah, this sucks. I don't like it, but we'll get through it. Yeah. Uh, we're prepared. You know, we don't need anything. We're, we, we have our plan. We know what it is. We're sticking to it again and again and again. And yeah. It's been so rewarding, actually, to be an advisor this year because you get to see the work that you've done it truly does help people sleep at night. They know they have a plan in place. They know they have a strategy. They know that if something changes, they have someone that's on their speed dial that they can call, um, that even if it's just to bounce an idea off of, maybe they're not trying to hit the red button, but they just, you know, need to uh, need a sounding board. That has been the most rewarding part of being an advisor, and especially in a time like this, especially this year. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm really glad for you that you've been able to experience that. I mean, all of us are experiencing things we never would have expected we would ever experience in our lifetimes. And I'm glad that you're experiencing that, that knowledge that the way I would interpret it and, and the way I you know, would interpret it is that your clients aren't asking you to place panic trades because they're working with you because they have a plan, because they're, you know, because they've got you in their corner, right? Yes. The and people who are, who, are, who are absolutely freaking out, and this is perfectly logical, the people who, yeah. are, who are freaking out and moving their money around and, you know, having these kind of knee-jerk reactions are probably the people who don't have advisors like you. You got it. 
a hundred percent. It's very, very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much of what we do is behavioral. Um, it's a big, another misconception about the work that we do is that you have to be a math wizard. And I'm, you know, depending on what kind of niche you're in or really the role that you play, uh, you may need a little bit more of that skill set. Um, but largely what we do, it's a lot of handholding. It's a lot of guiding. It's a lot of um, just, again, being that sounding board and kind of a buffer zone, I feel like, especially in a year like this. Um, but I give my clients a lot of credit, too. I feel like um, I'm so fortunate. I give thanks all the time for just having the most wonderful group of clients. And, you know, when I think about some of the characteristics that they share, you know, in general, a lot of clients are charitable. They are active. They're engaged. It's a two-way collaborative process, like you were just saying. It's not a, well, tell me what to do situation or a, I'm telling you what to do situation, you know, in either direction. It's very, very collaborative. And and I feel like that's where we get the best outcomes. Um, And along with kind of where I was going with that charitable and, you know, with having that engaged kind of energy is that there's a balance. There's a natural balance. There's a natural, what I call a healthy uh, degree of detachment from their finances. The zeros don't make or break the person, right? My clients... Their net worth isn't what defines them. They are, again, they're looking to those experiences and what they can get out of life. I was thinking the other day, there's a book, um, something along the lines of uh, like Die with the Zero. And it's about, right, like using up all your money and dying with nothing so you can live the richest life. And so on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have basically like the financial equivalent of hoarders, right? People that just want to accumulate, 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 and like find the best stock and like always make the most possible on everything. And ultimately, I feel like the best clients are in a balance between the two. They know that they need to have a little extra cushion, but ultimately you have money. What's it for? It's to live. You know, you can probably get more money. There are other ways you can get more money uh, in your lifetime, but you can't get that time back. Um, And so I find, you know, a lot of my clients share similar values and that what's important to them is freedom. Again, having those choices and the experiences. And so that's what the money is for. Freedom. Absolutely. And that is what the epic comeback is about to me. Mm-hmm. Different people interpret this, you know, this, my brand and this concept in different ways. And that's one of the reasons I, that, I, that I love it because it's very, it's, it's open to interpretation. But my interpretation is that the epic comeback ultimately is about freedom. If you, you're building a life despite, a, despite and because of something really difficult that you've gone through where you're calling the shots and you're in charge and you get to do what you want to do. Um, sorry, there's an airplane flying over. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, I think it's fascinating because again, I mean, that's probably the number one shared value across the 99% of my clients. What's most important to you about your money? Having freedom. Freedom. hundred percent. So let's, um, let's, let's delve into, let's delve into the crisis right now. The, the muck and the absolute difficulty. I'd like to, (laughs) I'd like to talk with you. Karen, a bit about divorce, because I know that you have worked with multiple clients who have gone through the divorce process, which is absolutely, it is a financial process, an emotional one, a legal one, and it certainly qualifies as a life-shattering experience. And I, I know you also have a, a personal connection to divorce yourself. So um, could you speak a bit to what 
what you think is the the worst, most difficult part, you know, it could certainly could be from a personal point of view, but also a, a financial point of view of going through a divorce, particularly a, a, a really, really tough one, like a high conflict situation. Uh, so what's the worst part of that? I, you know, it's so destructive. Um, divorce can just be so destructive. And I think what happens is that people get stuck looking in the past. Mm this is what could have been if my wife didn't take, you know, if I, if I hadn't married the wrong person and I didn't have to give half to my ex-wife or my ex-spouse. Um, and there's a lot of tendency, I feel like, to look back with regret and get stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not helpful. And as you know, I mean, the whole divorce process in and of itself is already filled with a lot of loss and it, it can be very destructive, especially clearly if it's high conflict. Um, I've been fortunate in that most of the clients I work with, and in full disclosure, I'm not a CEFA, so I am a financial advisor, CFP, but I don't specialize in divorce. But, um, you know, I've been fortunate in that a lot of my clients haven't gone through really, or <laughs> I've, or they've come on board after they've already been through that phase of their life, mm -hmm. um, just because I'm coming, you know, maybe we're meeting at a later phase in their life. But I have noticed that recently there has definitely been an uptick. Um, I'm meeting with more and more clients who are going through the divorce process right now. Interestingly, though, I think because of the current situation, it's actually kind of uh, shepherding people in a more collaborative direction. Because everything is so either the courts are shut down or money is tight, whatever the situation is, it's kind of leading them to a place where, you know what, well, we're just going to have to work together and work this out because uh, those other traditional avenues might not be options for us right now. Good point. Good point. I hope that's true. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think it is. I, I really do. I am seeing that. Um, I hate that I'm seeing the uptick. It's definitely there. And uh, in talking to my colleagues who also, um, you know, practice in different parts of the country, they are also seeing it. I was talking to my girlfriend the other week and she said, yeah, two of my new client meetings this week were couples going through a divorce. Like, wow, that's unusual. Yeah. Yeah. And from a financial point of view, um, what, what, kinds of, what kinds of challenges do you and your clients face? in terms of, um, you know, splitting resources in terms of like, what, what, seem, what seems to cause the most tension? And, you know, you mentioned destruction. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, I guess it runs the gamut when you have a business, that's always tricky. Uh, you know, the more complex the situation, the more complex it is to untangle and unwind. Um, and, and then just depending on what the dynamics of the relationship are. But I really try to come at it from the standpoint of where I was going earlier with, you know, where you get stuck looking in the past is, look, let's reset. Let's reframe. We, we know we can't go backwards. If we could, maybe we would change X, Y, and Z, but that's not an option. So here we are today. Let's look at where we are. What do we have? Um, where do we want to go? And let's fill in the gaps, you know, one step at a time. So it's, it's really just no matter how, how the chips fall or where they land, um, you have to just start at the beginning. 
um, and, and taking in a full assessment of where you are now. And we talked a little bit about that um, when you were on my podcast about, you know, turning the lights on and just being brutally honest. Um, it's very, very similar, actually, Nikki, the financial planning process is very similar to the process that you take your clients through. Yeah. Well, numbers don't lie. You know, I mean, the, num the numbers are there. And yeah. that's something that's something that that I don't know. I, it it kind of when I when I think about that, I imagine that it could that it could bring some relief to the divorce process. That at least there's there's an aspect of the process that potentially can just kind of be all right. These are the numbers; they don't lie. But yeah. what's unfortunate is the emotion and the ownership and the possessiveness and the and the the emotion that people attach to their money. So, um, yeah, and, and the fear. Oh, and the vote. And the Absolutely. fear. So if I'm coming at it of a standpoint of, well, I was well taken care of and now I have nothing and I haven't worked outside the home in 20 years, I'm probably coming at it from a place of fear. Whereas me personally, when I was going through my divorce, I, you know, my feeling was, if I lose everything, which really isn't that much, but if I lose everything, I know I'll be okay. I'll land on my feet. I'll be fine. And just coming at it from that frame of mind was very, it helped me make decisions. If I were coming at it of a standpoint of, oh my gosh, you're going to take everything away from me and I'm, I'm not going to have anything. I'm not going to have a bed to sleep on. I'm not going to have a roof over my head. Um, you know, it, it, the outcome and the process would have been very different. So absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. The fear, the white hot fear of how am I going to live? How are my children going to live and all, all the rest of that stuff. Yes. And I do think, you know, especially it's typically women, but it's a very different pathway if you have been working outside the home or if you haven't, because that does feed into your fear of, well, how, how am I going to make this work? Um, is anyone going to want to hire me? Um, how am I going to be able to do that and provide for my children? It's such a new dynamic. Um, so again, it's been interesting. A, a number of the cases that I've worked with, um, the both spouses have worked outside the home. And so that's actually been very helpful. It's helped make it a smoother process. I understand that's not always the case. And that's not something, you know, I can go back in time and change, but that is definitely something that I've observed. Yeah. Well, we've talked about collaboration between and among professionals. And I know that that's, I know, I know that that is, um, that's, a, that's your practice and your, as well as mine. And if I wanted to ask you, um, are there some, are there some other experts that you know within the, the financial you know, industry, financial planning industry, people who you might recommend to, to come on this podcast and talk to me about apocalyptic situations? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yes. <laughs> So at Raymond James, I'm on the, um, I'm actually on the, um, not the board. It's a, um, <laughs> can't believe I'm totally drawing a blank on this. It's the network for women advisors and I'm on the um, advisory panel. I don't know why I'm totally drawing a blank, but anyway, I know a lot of fabulous women uh, who, and they do, a number of them do have their CDFAs um, and they're all across the country. So I can certainly shoot you some names. Um, and then recently on my podcast, I hosted um, several different divorce professionals. So num um, after you, I think it was just after you, is a local attorney who specializes in collaborative divorce and mediation. Um, her name's Candace Carpenter, and she's lovely, and she's here in town. And we talked about how, you know, if there's any way that you can work together, it's so beneficial to do that. Um, so 
sometimes high conflict is you, there's just no other way around it. Cause it does take two to work together. Um, yep. Yep. but you know, absolutely. If that's in any way possible, then, um, you know, find someone who, who can support you in a collaborative divorce or in a mediation. Yeah, I'm with you a hundred percent. So what we've come to now, Karen, is really this is the this is the essential question of the of the of this podcast, which is is there a piece of advice? What's what's one piece of advice, maybe two, that you would give to um, to to people? My audience is primarily women, but there are men listening too, who are considering or going through divorce, either from a financial point of view um, or any other point of view. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. I thought. I was thinking a little bit about this, uh, just driving back to my office today in anticipation of our conversation today. And actually three things came to mind. I already mentioned one, which is if it's at all possible work together, um, you'll save yourself time, money, and energy, and you'll really get the best outcome for your family because a court, a judge can't do that. Only you and your you know, spouse, soon to be ex-spouse can do that by working together. Um, but I think my number one piece of advice would be own your shit. Uh, this has been my mantra, and there's just no other way to say it than to own your shit. You could have been married to an absolute demon, and you could have been an angel, but you were not 100% an angel. And no matter what it was, you have to, you have to own your part. Um, for me, that was very liberating, personally, because, um, you know, I, I just, if someone can tell you this, and you can know intellectually that you need to own your stuff, but until you actually do it, uh, you can't possibly understand just how liberating it is. And so I think it's really, really critical that you just own your shit. Um, and that's step number one. And then I think the second thing is indulge yourself a little. I'm not talking about like, you know, buying a new house, buying a new Mercedes. Um, it could just be spending the 15 extra dollars on a really nice luxury shampoo. But that special shampoo every time you use it you're gonna feel like a million bucks and you know what you really need that right now so whatever it is that's in your budget whether it's you know a couple sessions with a personal trainer whether it's buying that new lipstick or special shampoo whether it's you know for me i called it the year of yes so i <laughs> i took the indulgence and just expanded it into a year and i called it my year of yes and it all started when i was at a conference and, you know, whenever you're checking into a hotel and they always say, Mrs. Coyne, we have this room upgrade available for, and just for, you know, $49.99 a night, you can have this windowed view of blah, blah, blah. And usually I'm like, no, I'm going to be in meetings all day. And, and this one time I was at this great hotel um, in DC overlooking the, uh, the water. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I want the upgrade. Yes, give it to me. You know, I'm going to have girlfriends over in my suite later and we're going to be uh, drinking wine, having snacks. So yes. And then it was, um, you know, it was just like one thing after another. Mom, can we have ice cream for dinner? You know what? Yes. Mom, can we go go-karting? Yes. Mom, can we go go-karting again? Yes. Karen, <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I love these nuggets, especially like the, the own your shit. And I think, the, I think the owning your shit can lead really well into indulging yourself because own it like... It's 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 hard to it's hard to do. It's an internal process. There's nobody. That's one of the things that you can't collaborate with anyone on. You right. can't collaborate with. Some, I mean, you can collaborate with the therapist. With so I shouldn't say that. You can always collaborate. <laughs> um, but like, 
it has to happen inside. You have to just, it's like what you were saying before and what we talked about on your podcast about being brutally honest, about going through that assessment, taking that assessment, lining up the numbers, line, just, and just saying, okay, I'm not going to be focused on the past and I'm going to be focused on taking responsibility, ownership of what I have brought to the table. Yes. Exactly. And that is hard work, but you, we all deserve to be rewarded for that hard work. And we also deserve to treat ourselves to something when we are human beings who are going through something that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Incredibly so, difficult. Yes. Yes. Depleting. Um, and so I feel like, you know, you need those little things. And again, it doesn't have to be huge and you don't have to have a year of yes, whatever your yes framework is, but at least get yourself the good shampoos. You can have that daily indulgence, you know, it's like, you need that for your soul and your well-being, and your just, you need that. I'm a big fan of shampoo and trying different <laughs> kinds of shampoo. And even just the fact like the smell, because you know how smell is so closely linked to your, you know, to your memory and yeah. to the sensation of smell is really important. So even just like it, it, it's something, it's a way to integrate something I don't know, very special into your day. Yes, exactly. And then it's every day too. It's not like you did this indulgence on a trip, which, you know, travel is great too, but then it's five days, seven days, and it's done. That shampoo that you spent extra $15 on what you would normally spend, you get to use that every day, sometimes yeah. twice a day. I wash my hair if I go swimming or I work out and I got to wash my hair again. So. Totally. Shampoo. And I would add to, I'm, I want to add to the list, comfy socks. Like, <laughs> Comfy socks or slippers. Anything <laughs> that touches your feet. Okay, so socks and shampoo and slippers. Yes. Karen, um, I want to thank you again for being my guest today. And I also would love to know um, where can we find you online? How do we find your podcast? And you know, I, I know that you know you live you live on the East Coast, but um, um, my understanding is that often financial planners can work with folks nationwide in some absolutely yes thanks for asking nikki so uh we're actually getting ready to do a rebrand covid has uh put a little damper on that it hasn't been at the top of the priority but if you do a search uh karen coins c-o-y-n-e and raymond james or financial planner you'll you'll find me and we're also on facebook linkedin twitter um the new brand name will be Clarity Planning. So depending on when this comes out, it, we're probably about a month out from really launching the full rebrand, but um, I'll still be with Raymond James. Um, and yeah, so you'll be able to find me and you're absolutely correct. Uh, I have clients in a number of different states and um, especially now with everyone being so comfortable on Zoom, it's been great. I think it's just really allowed people to connect with someone that they feel comfortable working with that they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to connect with. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone. So we are bringing this to a close. This is Nikki Bruno with Karen Coyne on the Epic Comeback podcast. For more information about how to stage an epic comeback in your life after a life shattering experience, please visit the epic comeback.com. <laughs>